Okay, today we're going to be learning Parshas Yisro, and we'll be focusing on the first uh, few psukim, first parak, so to speak. We'll be sharing you, if we have time, two pieces from Rav Moshe Wolfson, Shlita, who is uh, in his Sefer Emunas Itecha. He has a number of beautiful pieces on the Parsha, so he has one bigger piece and one smaller piece, and I want to connect the two together. He asks a number of questions, so we'll start with the number of questions. We know, just to basically review the simple story, Yisro comes to the Jewish people after the events of the exodus from Egypt. It's a machlokas in the Rishonim, did he come after the events of Sinai or not, that's a debate, but he clearly came after everything that led up to Sinai. And he was welcomed warmly by his son-in-law, Moshe. And then he sees what Moshe is doing. Moshe has a big lineups of people coming to ask questions to Moshe. And Yisro looks at that and says, what are you doing? This is not practical. And he comes up with the suggestion that Moshe should select judges to help him with uh, leading the Jewish people. To which Moshe agrees, and Hashem says, yes, that's a good idea, you should do this. So the question that Revolson asks is, I don't understand. If this is something that Hashem wanted, why didn't Hashem command Moshe to do it straight off? He should have said, Moshe, I want you to appoint judges to help you out. Rather, Hashem allowed events to unfold unfold in such a way that Yisro will be the one to come up with the idea and, and that it follows up through him. So why did Hashem make that come out that way? And really, this happens a few times in the Torah. We could ask this each time. But here, clearly, Yisro is, is telling him what to do. And Hashem says, that's right. And this is a mitzvah in the Torah. So the mitzvah came through Yisro. And the question is, why did Hashem make it happen that way? When we come to that, you know, we're in the last 10 minutes of the class. When we come back to that, that means we have 10 minutes to go. All right? Now, let's get into the first opening um, sukkim here, where there's... It's a little bit of detailed questions, but we're going to be learning how to say better shot in the psukim over here. And it's a novel interpretation that Rehulfson is going to give us. So let's begin. You've got the Hebrew at the end of each of the first three sources. Thank you. It works out better when I put the Hebrew at the end of my computer. I don't, can't figure out how to put it first, and then the English doesn't work. Vayishma Yisro Kohen Midyan Chosen Moshe. Yisro, the priest of Midyan, the father of Moshe, heard, Eskol Asher Osa Elohim Lemoshe Uli Yisrael Amo, everything which God did to Moshe and the Jewish people, his people, Ki, that, Hotzi Hashem Es Yisrael Mimitzram, that Hashem took the Jews out of Mitzram. Rashi says a number of running comments in this Pasuk. So let's go over the Pasuk and see all the running comments. And the words, Vayishma Yisro, Yisro, Kohen Midian heard. Rashi, it's in the brackets there. 
What news did he hear that made him come? So it says, Rashi says, the splitting of the sea and the war with Amalek. So Yisro heard the splitting of the sea and the war of Amalek. And then the next, everything which Hashem did, Rashi says, what was all that? That was the descent of the Mun. He heard about the Mun, the well, and Amalek again. I don't want to get into why Rashi's picking Amalek twice. We're going to leave that. But so now we've got a lot of things now. Splitting of the sea, war with Amalek, he heard about the mun falling, he heard about the well. And finally, on the last part of the Pasuk, that Hashem had taken out the Jewish people, Rashi says, this was the greatest of them all. That Hashem took them out of Mitzrayim. So what did he hear exactly? Now, Rashi, if you notice, in the first Rashi, Rashi says, what news did he hear that made an impression for him to come? What got him to come? Well, it says the splitting of the sea in the war with Amalek. That got him to come. He also heard what Paro had done, what Hashem had done with the mun and the well, and that he took us out of Egypt. That's the greatest of them all. So he already has a few questions over here. So there seems to be a running list of things that Hashem, he heard Three sets of things, according to Rashi, three sets of things. He heard about the splitting of the sea of war of the Molech, hears about the mana and the well, and Hashem took us out of Egypt. Now, if you look in the Hebrew, you're going to notice there should be an extra letter. It says, What did he hear? Well, he read, he read it from Rashi, already heard about the splitting of the sea and the, and the war of the Molech. That's the well and the mana. Then the next. We shouldn't say key, but vi and that which he did to Mitzrayim. No, vi hotzi Hashem Israel, and because that's another thing. Should have another vav. Now, of course, people don't lose sleep. People don't lose sleep over extra vavs. And you say, well, okay, unless you have a really great interpretation, which he's going to show us. That's number one. Number two, the opening Rashi. What did he hear that made such an impression for him to come? Well, splitting the sea in the war of the Amalek. But then at the end, Rashi says, when they went out of Egypt, that was the greatest of them all. That Hashem took them out of Egypt. So if that's the greatest of them all, then why wasn't that what inspired him to go? It says that splitting of the sea and the war of the Amalek inspired him to come. But if the, but Rashi himself says going out of Egypt was the greatest of them all. So then why wasn't that which inspired him to go? Second question. Okay, now let's uh, it goes on. Okay, now he comes. Now second source. Now Moshe greets him, and now he starts speaking to him. Moshe told his father-in-law. Okay, reading the Hebrew first. Vayisaper Moshe lechosno. Moshe told his father-in-law, "Es kol asher oso Hashem leparlamitzrayim." Everything Hashem did to parlamitzrayim. Alodos Yisrael. On account of the Jews, that's probably all the makos and all the things he did to him. All the hardships that had befallen them on the way. What were all the hardships? Rashi says, by the sea and by, with Amalek. So again, what's the problem? We're missing a vav again. Again, it should say, and 
Okay, got two ants over here now. All right, we'll have to see what's going on over here. Okay, now let's go to Pasuk Tess now. Let's go to the next Pasuk. Now, what was Moshe, what was Yisro's reaction? What was Yisro's reaction? So the Pasuk says, guys, you have to look at the Hebrew. It's right at the end of the source tree. Vayichad Yisro, a very strange verb. Vayichad Yisro. Al of all the goodness, Asher Os Hashem Yisro, which Hashem did to the Jews, Asher Hitzilo. What does Hitzilo mean without any context? What does Esther? Hitzilo means? Save. Exactly. Bidiuk. Hitzilo. Hitzilo. Saved him. Saved him. Good. Miyad Mitzrayim for the hands of Mitzrayim. Okay, so yes, like it's Yitzhak was saved. <coughs> so again, so so what? Did, what was his response? Vayichad. What does Vayichad mean? So now let's go upstairs to the English. Question. Yisro was happy. Rashi. Yisro was happy. Hebrew Vayichad and Yisro rejoiced. That's the simple meaning. He was happy. Vayichad. He was happy when he heard this. But look, he brings a medrash. His flesh became prickly, prickly from the words chidun, chidudin, chududin, like goosebumps. Goosebumps was sharp because he was upset about the descriptions about the Egypts. Wow. So what, what does that mean? Rashi's giving you two contradictory interpretations. The Pashib shot is he was happy. The Medra says, no, he got goosebumps. He was upset. Okay, now, it's very it. rare that the drush is the exact opposite of the pshat. You want to say something else, something else. But he was happy. No, he's upset. So what, how do you deal with that? Also, why when Moshe speaks to him, he only speaks about what the bad things that Hashem did to Paro. He doesn't speak about any of the other good things that happened. In the second source, he just says the bad things. You have Yisro hearing a lot of things. Then in the second source, Moshe is telling him the bad things, and then Yisro uh, is happy about what it's in Rashi says about the good of the manna, the well of the water, the Torah taking them out of Egypt. So Yisro was happy for all the good that Hashem did for us. So, like, what's going on? Like, why is Moshe only mentioning the bad? Okay. But now the most fundamental of all the questions. Most fundamental of all the questions. Now, what did the first Pasuk say? Did Yisro know about what was going on in the beginning? Yeah. While he was in Midian. Yeah. While he was in Midian. First Pasuk, with Rashi says, he heard about the splitting of the sea. He heard about the war with Amalek. He heard about the well. He heard about the mono. He heard that Hashem took him out of Egypt. This is already before he takes a step out. He heard it all. Okay, now, he comes now, and now Moshe tells him about some of the things that he already heard about. And now what's his response? His response is he gets all happy, he gets all goosebumped. So, it's a double question. Number one, if he already heard about everything, why did he have to go to hear it again? And if he already heard about it, let's say he heard everything. Why didn't he have goosebumps before? <laughs> like, it's like, wow! Like, imagine if, if, let's say, you visit someone you didn't see in a long time, and they tell you stuff you didn't know. 
Oh, you know, our good, our, you know, in the old days, they didn't have any phones, they didn't know anything. You, you see somebody you haven't seen in the years. The, the guy says, oh yeah, my wife died. Oi! She died! When was that? Four years ago. I got married again. She died. Oi! Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, goosebumps! You know? You know, all, uh, you know our, our parents died and I took all the money. Oi! You know, surprise! But in other words, this is an act reaction of like something new. Like, what did he, he did? We already said in the first puzzle, he knew everything. So now why this sudden reaction? Okay, these are a number of the questions we have to deal with. And on top so, of it, two opposites. And an opposite. Okay, so... <laughs> so to understand this, Rav Wolfson's going to give us three hakdamot, three uh, little um, things, pieces of information we need to know, and to build on these three things and give us an interpretation. And each introduction is a very important lesson in and of itself. First, he brings a chasam sulfur on the fourth source. Later on in the Torah, again, you have the Hebrew, we have to go and conquer the land of Eretz Yisrael. The Jewish people who are not warriors have to fight against very powerful nations. So look in source four in the Hebrew first. Kisomer, oh, there was one other question. I'm sorry, there was one other question and we already pointed it out. The grammar, if you look in source two, again, look in source two, Moshe told them everything that Hashem did to all of them and I bolded it Hashem saved them. See the end of source two? I bolded by, he saved them, even by the English. How Hashem saved them. Moshe told them how he saved them. And then it says, Yisra was happy about how Hashem saved Asher Hitzilo. Now the English doesn't want you to be upset. I bolded it. The English says them. But really, that's not what the word Hitzilo means. In other words, Yisro says, oh, he was, Moshe said, listen, what Hashem did for us, I know he saved them, the Jewish people. That makes sense, saved them. Yisro was happy, Asher Hitzilo, that he was saved. Well, he was saved. And the English doesn't translate that way because he knows you're not going to like that. He, Moshe tells, oh, Hashem saved us, the, them, the Jewish people. And so it says, Yisro was happy that he saved them. That's what it should have said, but it's Asher Hitzilo, saved him. What do you mean saved him? Now the English won't, doesn't want to translate it that way because you're going to say that doesn't make sense. Do you understand? That's why you can't always look at the English. <laughs> you see the bowl. He saw me saved him. It's like referring to Yitro. Well, but he wasn't saved. So it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so I forget. that was an important question too. Okay, now back to the source four in Dvarim. So the Torah says, if you'll say in your heart, these non-Jews are very many. Me many, more than me. They're more numerous than me. How can I drive them out? So Hashem says, Don't be afraid of them. You shall, surely you shall remember which Hashem did to Paro and all of Egypt. So what's going on? Hashem is saying, listen, you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael, you're going to have to conquer these guys. You're gonna, if you're going to say, oh man, they're, they're bigger than us. How are we go- I'm going to be afraid of them. Right? You're afraid of them. <laughs> How am I going to conquer them? Loyalty. Don't be afraid of them. Remember that I took out of Egypt. Well, what does that mean? So the Hassam Sofer says the following, Yesod Godol. Yesod Godol. 
He says, I'll say it in Hebrew, one line, and I'll say it in English, because the Hebrew is always better than English. He says, Ki gedola emuna uschirat yesias mitzrayim lahaalos misha'arei tumah. Great is the faith and the memory of the exodus of Egypt that it can elevate a person from the gates of impurity. Which means, and that's why, how many times in the Torah does Hashem say to remember Yitzhiya Mitzrayim? 50 times. Five zero times. It mentions the Torah, this one idea. You figure, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. 50 times. Okay, which would be corresponding to the 50 levels of Bina. Okay. Also, there is a mitzvah to remember the Yitzhiya Yitzrayim every day, twice a day, once in the morning and once at night by the Shema. So now says the Chassam Sofer like this. He says, when the Jewish people do Averos, they allow the power of Tumah to surround them and they give power to the Tumah in the world when we do sins. And therefore, there's what to be afraid from your sins. And when the Jewish people are going to go into Eretz Yisrael, now look carefully at the Pasuk again in source 4. They are so much bigger. Coming from me. Why are they so much from me? Because of my Averos. When I do many, when I feel fearful of my sins and now I have to deal with a terrible situation, how am I going to drive them out? So what's the solution? The solution is when you remember that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, it's a refuah, it's a healing for this sickness, and it takes the bad tumah out of you. And that's what Hashem is saying. Remember the Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, strengthen your emun and Hashem, connect to that event, put yourself back in time as it were, and this can take a person out of Tumma. Tumma means, you know, you get involved in things you shouldn't be involved in. Or even think about things you shouldn't be thinking about. You're not in a good place. Tumma is, is, is a feeling of distance from Hashem. That's really what Tumma is. It's not something you can touch. You have a Tumma. You, do, you don't feel close to Hashem. And therefore you do all kinds of things. And now you got to face difficult, you have difficult situations in life. And you say, you know, I, I, you know, I deserve it. I deserve to be destroyed. I deserve bad things because I'm surrounded with Tumah. So what are you going to do? So Hashem says, there's only one, don't be afraid, just remember what I did to Paramitzrayim, Chazar over, the story. And what does that story mean? Everything that the story means. Hashem, Hashem controls everything. Hashem did everything because of us, how much He loves us. This is the source of all salvation for the Jewish people. Whenever you're in trouble, you need a segula, go go over the story of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. Go over the story. Say the Kriyashman, the, the last prayer, Hashem, you're the one who took us out of Egypt, and Hashem, you took us out of Egypt, and everything that that means. The whole Chadgadja, the whole Haggadah. If you review all that, that has the power to take you out of the Tumah that you have. Okay? This is the solution. And you'll be influenced from that. 
So therefore, Rav Wolfson says, based on this Chassam Sofer, he says, all salvation and atzlocha for the Jewish people throughout history is all rooted in the Exodus experience. And whenever you are in trouble and you need a good, wondrous skula, no matter what the situation you're in, remember verbally, verbally, say it, that Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. And when you remember it, you draw down forth from Shemayim the light of Geula from Yetzias Mitzrayim, and you'll be saved from any Mitzrayim type of predicament you find yourself in. That is the great school. Because why? Because at the end of the day, it all depends on how connected you are to Hashem. And connected to Hashem depends on your amuna. And you just got to go it over and you got to make it real. Visualize exactly what happened and to show that that is the source of all salvation. That's Yisod number one. Yisod number two, he says, that when we're talking about telling it over, the greater the person who tells it over, the greater the illumination and the salvation will be. And he brings an interesting story that happened on Purim night in the uh, base medrash of the Chose from Lublin. The Chose from Lublin was there and they didn't know who was going to read the Megillah that night. All of a sudden, a younger man comes, a young fellow, who would later become the Sar Shalom of Bells, the Bells of Rebbe, but he was a young fellow at the time, unknown to anybody his greatness. Ever he comes, he's in the back of the basement. He wanted to be by the Chayza for Purim. So he's there. Of course, we know the Chayza. He's called the Chayza because he could see what others can't see. He sees there's something about this guy in the back. He says, the younger man, you're going to read the Megillah for everybody. Wow. Okay? So this is the, the future Sar Shalom of Bells. And <clears throat> he reads the Megillah. And after the Megillah was read, I'll say now in Yiddish, the way the Chose said, and I'll explain in English. He says, I heard this story many times. It's not the first time I've heard the Megillah. I don't know. Here's the Yiddish part. But to say it over as nicely as he has said it, I never heard it that way. I've heard the story many times, but I never heard it as nicely as this guy said it. Now, what do you think? He's talking about his voice. He's talking about, you know, the, the, the cantorial way he did it. But he understands what's the pshat, just like we say with the telling over of the exile, of the exodus from Egypt. Reading the Megillah on Purim night brings the same type of salvation for us as it brought at the time of Mordechai and Esther. If we are in trouble from the Goyim, like we were, and our whole not excitement about Torah, the whole malaise that the Jewish people had coming into the Purim story, and if you need to know more about the Purim story, we got everything online, the TLC. We started on Sunday. We're going through the Megillah a little bit every day. So, and you get that? It brings down that salvation by the way it's read, 
Like it says in the Megillah, These days are remembered and done. What does that mean? That when you read the Megillah and Purim night, it brings salvation. But what do you see from the story? But it depends who's saying it. If you got the Sarshalom of Bell saying it, man, you're going to have a lot more energy coming down than if I'm going to tell it to you. Because he connects more to it. So there's a big Indian uh, uh, that when you're trying to get out of the entrapment of your own personal Tumah and you're trying to get into Kedusha, you got to have here, you got to, A, says the Chassam Sover, you got to talk it over and B, it depends who's telling it. So guess what? Maybe you're not on a big enough level. Go to a tzaddik. Go to a tzaddik and hear, hear someone doing Kriya Satoira of us going out of Egypt. Hear the Kriya Satoira from a tzaddik because he will bring down more. Now certainly everything is good, but that's, but the bottom line is if you hear how the, the guy is doing the mitzvah, it doesn't matter at a seder. That's why Hasidim would go to the Rebbe to hear him saying the Haggadah. What, after they finish their Haggadah. All the Hasidim, they finish, let's say, 12 o'clock, then they go to the Rebbe. The Rebbe is just getting warmed up. By one o'clock, the Rebbe is just getting warmed up. They go to the Rebbe to hear him say it. Or what, to hear him say it? Or what, didn't hear the story? No, but he brings down the Kedusha from the story. He brings down the salvation. He's more connected. So that that's why I said that's point number two. Okay, number one is that verbalizing the Yitzhak trying brings down tikkun, and the greater the verbalizer, even those just are listening, the greater the tikkun. And now point number three. We need all three points. Point number three is brought to you, courtesy of the Noam Elimelech. All right. Look at source number six. When Moshe complains to Paro, Tashem, Moshe goes to Paro and Paro makes things worse. So what does Moshe say? Umeas bossi el Paro. And from the time I came to Taro to speak in your name, Haralamazeh, he did bad for this people. Vahatselo he south and you haven't saved them. So he asks a question. If already says he has done bad to us, it's says, and he has done bad to us. Why do you have to say, and you didn't save them yet? Obviously, if he did bad, Hashem, you haven't saved us. What's the double expression? You understand? He says, since I came, look, Paro did really bad. He, t- he took away the straw. And you haven't saved us. Well, first he says, oh, you haven't saved us if he's doing bad to us. Says the Noemeli Melech, he says a very important yesod. He says, number one, he says, we are in this bitter gullus and the worst part of the Golis is that the Shekhinah is in Golis. But the problem is, that's not what we're so worried about. We're worried about our own problems. And we don't even think about the Shekhinah's problems. He said, if we really wanted to get out of the Golis, he said, if there'd be really one person who really mourned over the fact that the Shekhinah was in Golis and to forget about our own problems, we would be out of this Golis. So, Moshe turns to Hashem based on this and he says, you know, why am I asking Hashem? Why, did, why am I going to Paro? Now, when Hashem gave Moshe this job, Moshe could have done it with the right kavona and the wrong kavona. What's the right kavona? The right kavona is Moshe comes and I feel terrible for Hashem that Hashem's 
Shekhinah is in Golis and Mitzrayim here. I feel terrible for you, Hashem. And I'm going to go to Paro. And I'm going to give him Musr. Why? For you, Hashem. That's the right way. The not such right way is, I feel so bad for the Jewish people. I want the Jewish people to go out. Well, that's nice, but that's not why we need the Jews to go out of Mitzrayim. Not just to save the Jews from pain. We don't need humanitarians leading the Jewish people. We need people who care about Hashem. And you take care of Hashem, then everything else will fall into place. So Moshe, you know, could have been similar. Maybe Hashem's not, you know, I was not successful. Maybe I didn't come with the right intentions. Like the Neumann Lamech says, when we're in Golis, forget about the Jewish problems. The bigger problem is Hashem is being insulted. So Moshe says, and now says a Yisoy Godel says the Neum He says, how do you know if you give Musr, Teichacha, rebuke to someone that it hit the mark and you, that you were L'Shem Shemaim? A lot of times when we rebuke people, sometimes we do it because we enjoy it. Oh, I get a chance to insult somebody and I have the Torah to back me up here. You know, you're not supposed to do that. The Torah says you can't do that, but really just enjoy knocking him down. So you're not supposed to do that. But how do you know you're really sincere? Really sincere? He says, you know how you're really sincere? If you're giving rebuke to someone who's not a good person and your words get him upset. If you see you got him upset, then you know that you're a L'Shem Shemaim and you hit the mark. If they didn't get upset, then you weren't really speaking for the sake of Hashem and the words didn't penetrate. You should know when you give Musr to somebody who's supposed to get Musr, and he reacts very negatively, that means you are totally L'shem Shemaim. Mm-hmm. Totally L'shem Shemaim. Because that's what's bothering him. It's, it's the L'shem Shemaim that's bothering him. He may not even realize it. If they just slough it off and they laugh it off, that means you weren't really coming in for Hashem. Mm. That's what the Neymar Lamech says. That's how you can really tell. And therefore, Moshe is saying this, I know that my words must have been sincere because look, Paro got so upset he made things even worse on us. He's making—he's really upset. So if he's really upset, then I was really ashamed Shemayim. So then why haven't you saved us yet? Because I was only worried about you, about you, Hashem. If the fact that he was upset that proves that my rebuke was just for you and I'm feeling your pain. So if I'm feeling your pain, so why haven't you, according to the equation, you should now have sailed. You should have saved us. That's what he doesn't understand. You haven't saved us. So we see from this a big yesod that when you give rebuke to somebody, if it is mamish with the right intention, how do you know that your rebuke is l'shem shemaim? If you see improper people hearing it, they get very upset at you, then you knew you were doing things properly. And with this, he explains the Gemara, what a Gavaltic of shot in source number seven. The Gemara says it's a mitzvah to give rebuke. What if the guy doesn't listen? You got to give it more. And again, again. But when's the time where you don't have to give anymore? Where you stop giving? Source seven says, if he wants to hit you, if he's ready to hit you, if he's, uh, the expression of the Gemara is, uh, if his face blanches, the guy's like really blowing his top at you. He's like screaming and yelling at you. Or another version of bar is going to say, if he starts to hit you, stop. So now the Pashib shot, all my life I thought the shot was, well, listen, obviously it ain't helping because he wants to hit you, you should stop. But based on the name of Melch, he says, no, no, stop because he's heard it. He's heard the rebuke. Sometimes you say the rebuke, they don't even hear you. Say it again. The message will get through. He's still not listening. Say it again. If he's ready to punch you in the nose, that means he heard it. (laughs) 
No point to say it again because the message has prepped because you were L'Shem Shemaim. Could be the first few times you rebuked it wasn't L'Shem Shemaim. How do you know you really got the rebuke in? He's ready to punch you. He's so angry at you, he's livid. Now he'll only be livid if he heard the message. And how does he hear the message if he gave it over to Shem Shemaim? These are the three Yesodists we have to know to now approach Yisro and everything he was doing. Again, to go over to three Yesodos. Yesod number one, if you have any any problems we ever have, the salvation is all rooted in Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. We have to chazer over the story. If have to verbally say over the story, that will help us from any problems. Number two, the greater the person who says it, the greater the salvation. And number three, when you hear a good rebuke, a good rebuke, we'll get to the point where we'll agitate the one who receives. Now, with this, we can now swim through the story and answer all the questions. Yisro, for sure, as the first Pasek says, he heard everything. He knew the story. Yisro, we know, was always a truth seeker. He always wanted to be a better person and he really didn't know where it was. But when he finally sees it's with the Jewish people, so and he did a lot of things in the past to help Moshe, who was Moser Nefesh for Moshe, and when he hears that the Jews went out of Egypt, certainly he wanted to convert, certainly he wanted to be like a Jew and to serve Hashem properly. But everything he heard was from CNN. And Fox News. I mean, how else does he hear about this? He was in Midian. Okay, word spread. People were talking about these things. He's hearing the stories. And when he hears all this, he's very inspired. And then he hears the fact... And he, he didn't just hear that they went out of Egypt. He hears that the sea was split. He hears about the war of Amalek. Wait a minute. You know, he, he's trying to understand. And then he hears about the monk. And then he hears about the well. And he's like, oh, I don't understand this. I understand that God makes sense. He should take the Jews out of Egypt. This I understand. This was a promise he made to Avram. But he's trying to wonder, what did the Jews do that they should have all these other things happening in their lives? I get it that God took them out. What about the splitting of the sea and beating Amalek and the mon and all these other things? So he's he's wondering where is all this coming from? And he was clever enough to understand, you know where it's all coming from? It's coming from the initial salvation that God took them out of Egypt. This Yesod, he understood this Yesod. He understood, you know, if God takes you out of Egypt. And that's a, such a connection of Amunah. These Jews have got something to carry with them the rest of their lives. And it, did, it wasn't just a one-off. See, here's the point. We think Egypt was a one-off. He took us out of Egypt. Okay, now you're on your own. Now, follow the Torah, and don't ever expect to see that again. No, no, he sees it's, it was not a one-off. He says he keeps doing things for them. He says, how's that happening? It must mean that everything Hashem ever does for us is all just an outgrowth of Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. It's all coming, it's all centered on Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim. It always comes back to taking us out of Egypt. And then he said, the second idea is, and you know, whatever inspiration I'm getting, it's only coming from CNN and Fox News. If I would hear the story from a bigger person, it would probably influence me even better. 
So he says, now I got to go straight to the Malach's mouth, not the horse's mouth. Straight to the Malach's mouth. I got to go to the person who could tell the story better than anybody else. Who's the biggest Rebbe around? Moshe Rabbeinu. He says, and therefore, because he understood, he understood that as much as he was impressed by what was going on, he still lived in the Midianite world. He still lived in the Goyish world. And as much as he's impressed to want to be a better person, he knows how much Tumah is still on him. And he knows, how is he going to get out of this? So he's looking, he said, look, look at the Jews. They were on the 49th level of impurity. They're in the worst place. Midian was not nearly as bad as Egypt. And they get out of Egypt. But not only they get out of Egypt, but look what Hashem keeps doing for them. He splits the sea. He gives them man. He gives them a well. All incredible miracles. And he um, uh, defeats Amalek. All these amazing things. He says, how is all this happening? He understood this is all an outgrowth of going out of Egypt. It all started from that. And it's a continuous salvation maker. And the best way to get a salvation, the strongest way, is go to the one who could tell over the story the best way. It's not good. Second half, second hand inspiration isn't going to do much. First hand inspiration. So this already answers the first two questions that we asked. We said, what inspired him to go? It said, the splitting of the sea and the war with Amalek. But then at the end it says, and the greatest one was going out of Egypt. So then why did that inspire him to go? The answer is, going out of Egypt didn't inspire him to go. What inspired him is, how come God keeps doing things for them? That was getting him. I understand you get a one-off with God. Okay, that's nice, but that's not enough to make me go. Because he didn't one-off for them. I'm not going to get it. But what, it, what pushes him to go? He says, Hashem's still doing things. He splits the sea for them. Why, where did that come from? He defeats Amalek with them. He says, this is not a one-off with Hashem. This Egypt, the going out of Egypt was not a one-off. It was much more than a one-off. It was something that Hashem had put into creation that's a continuous power. Going out of Egypt, that energy just keeps going. And whenever the Jews need it, Hashem just keeps putting it in there. That motivates him. You know what? I want to tap into that. I want to be able to have always something that Hashem is able to help me at all times. That's what got him to go. Even though Yitzhak was the biggest of all of them, but it was only once. No matter how big an event Hashem does, if it's only once, it's only once. It's in the past. But he's hearing that Yitzis Mitzrayim is a continuous reality. How do I know that? Because look at the other little Yitzis Mitzrayim Hashem kept doing for them. And that says, that's now, I want to have a God that doesn't just do it once and says goodbye, but is a God who's always there with you. So that's what pushed him to actually go. Now the Vav, you don't need a Vav anymore. Let's go back to the first source and read it again. You're going to see it's beautiful. Yisrael hears it all. Now what did he hear? What motivates him to go? Kriyas Yamsuf and destroying Amalek. And everything that Hashem did for them, which was that, the man and the water and everything. Key, not and. That's, that's what's motivating him. Now why are all these things happening? He heard all these happening because... 
Hashem took him out of Mitzrayim. Because that power of taking out of Mitzrayim was that which made the power to make all the other miracles happen. You see how he's reading the Pasuk? Yisro heard and was motivated to go because he heard about the splitting of the sea and the war with Amalek. He also heard what else with Hashem. He keeps doing things. He helps him with the water. He helps him with the man. He's said, and why is Hashem helping? What did he, Vayishma, he understood. Why is Hashem doing all that? Because the power of Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim is driving all this. It's not just an and. That's why there's no vav over there. Okay. You, that you can switch. This can be the beginning and then... So he said, so what really got him turned on to Yiddishkeit? That Hashem is not a one-off. He does one big miracle and forget about it and now go on your own. No, whenever the Jews need help, we always have the resource of connecting to Hashem with our Amuna. and every situation... If we look at each situation, there was great fright and great fear. They were at the Sea of Reeds. They thought they are going to die. So what saved them? It's the Yitzhiz Mitzrayim <coughs> saved them there. Amalek, what saved them there? Yitzhiz Mitzrayim still saved them there. How about they're going to starve to death in the desert? They need food. They need water. Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. It's all Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. It all depends on Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. That's number one. Now you understand for sure now why he has to go. Because we said also, when do you get the biggest impression of that? The holier the person who says it over the more you're going to get the impression. So where do you want to go? You want to go to Moshe. It's such a big yesod, you know. We think, oh, I know the story. What do I got to hear it again for? So I'll give you an, a marshal to this. You know, you, you, you hear about Broadway shows. You hear about the face, uh, what he got by Niagara on the Lake, the, uh, the Shaw Festival. What do they show already? Repeats. <laughs> They're showing you, you know, Shakespeare's uh, King Lear. I think this, the, it's an old story, no? I mean, he, he wrote the book, uh, I don't know, 500 years ago. When did Shakespeare live? 1500s? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And there have been many um, plays done already, King Lear. It's not the first time. So what's up if you want to see King Lear again? You know the story. I mean, I don't know the story, but you know, whatever. Romeo and Juliet. You know what happens. You know the story, right? They love each other. They can't live. They commit suicide. All right. So we go to here. And it's packed. These places are packed. Why are they packed? I want to see if this, how this actor is going to portray it. Epis, I'll get another knech. Interpretation. You know, like, like I, I, I'm honest, I don't get it. I mean, obviously, they get it. Sometimes, why does Shem make this? Why does Shem make such a silliness in the world? I understand you want to play another round of golf. Maybe I'll do better today. It's the same course, but maybe I'll do better. That I can understand. You know, I shot a 79. Maybe I'll shoot a 76. It'll be better. Yeah, but to see the same, you, you already saw it. You saw, you saw five versions of it already. And the words don't change, because especially with Shakespeare, you're not allowed to even change the Nusach. Right? It's the exact words. I mean, other remakes, you know, you can change a little bit. But Shakespeare, you got to hold true to the text. If you don't, if you change one word, you know, Capulet or whatever, you're finished. you got to keep to the words. So everyone's with it. But maybe the facial expression, I'll get something more out of the story. Lahavdol, Elif Avdolus, you got the best, better than Shakespeare, you have Torah Misenai. You have Hashem telling over the story. Isn't that something you hear again? And when you hear the story from Hashem, and that match of Moshe Rabbeinu tells over the story, Epis, he'll do a better version than, than I did. 3D. Right? The, the way he's going to say it over. 
right? The way the Sarshala Bells reads the Megillah. It's not such a simple thing. You go to Megillah reading. You just don't pick anybody to go to Megillah reading. Well, let's see. It's, uh, I got to get the quick one. Okay, there's one right after Shabbos. We'll go quick Megillah. I can still catch a movie and I don't have to waste my whole night on porn. Right? A lot of people, they make their decisions. What's the fastest? You want the person with the biggest year of Shemayim reading the Megillah. When he's reading it, you want him to bring down the Kedusha to save you, to bring a Yeshua for you. When you go, go for the Haggadah, you want you want to hear something somebody big, and, and, or maybe you have to make yourself big. You have to make yourself big. Just don't read the words, but epis, learn the words of the tzaddikim. How the tzaddikim learned the Haggadah and say over their words at the seder table. The bigger the person, the better the message. So obviously, that's why he went. It's not enough with all the coverage he was hearing. He didn't hear it from Moshe Rabbeinu, and this could do the most to remove some of the. Tumah that he has. He, he wants to get rid of that Tumah. He's, Yisrael's going through his own struggles. He wants to be a Jew. He's living like a goy. And it's so hard for him to, to make that change. You could say, why is he just converting? He heard the message and just go. No, you got to really, th- th- the message has to Im- clear out the Tumah. So you need to hear it from the right messenger to get it out. And that's why he does this. Okay. So far, so good. Let's take another step weiter. We have another interesting idea that he brings from the Or Mayor, source number eight. David Amelech says, we say this in Ludovid, If a war should rise against me, in this I trust, means I trust Hashem. That's the Pashib Shah. Says the Or Mayor, he says, you need to know something. When a Jew is going on the right path and is really trying to do what's right in any aspect of life, you're trying to do tshuva, you're trying to get close to Hashem, you're trying to do a particular mitzvah. And if you find that there's all kinds of prosecution and all kinds of tests that are trying to stop you from doing this, you should know you're on the right path. Because the prosecutions and people trying to stop you they only want to stop you if you're doing the right thing. He gives a marshal. Who does a robber try to steal from? A rich man or a poor man? <laughs> who are you trying to mug? A rich man or a rich man because he got money. So who the eights are going after? He's going after the ones who he can really take something from them. If you decide, I'm really going to try to do this amazing mission, and what happens? All of a sudden, five things are coming that never came up. All of a sudden, this one's not well. The prognosis is not going so well. This isn't good. Your car breaks down. All Why? Because you know Because you want to do the right thing. How come all the time when you're really, really going to do something good? I'm mamish. I'm going to come to davening every day on time. I'm mamish going to learn. Every, I'm going to do chesed. All of a sudden, five things happen. Uh, I guess it's not by share it not. Not by share it not. The robber knows how much money you're carrying. He's going to want to stop you. And that's what David HaMelech says. Domal says, if war should rise against me, any kind of war, spiritual war, you know what? In this I trust. Now I know I'm doing the right thing. Sometimes you're not sure you're doing the right thing. But do you see the forces of evil are trying so hard to stop you? Then you know it must be the right thing. And this is every war that we have to fight. All the wars that we have to fight, whether they're out from within outside of us or within, we always have to fight this war. And all the times we try to be better, we see how hard it is. 
And Hashem is saying to us, and Dov Melch is saying, saying, listen, just know that you're doing the right thing. Don't give up. The fact that they're trying to stop you, that means you're doing the right thing. So let's plug this all into Yisrael. Yisrael wanted so much to do what? He wanted to be a complete Jew. He would desire to have all this Kedusha, and he's doing it, and he's going. It's not enough that I heard it from somebody else. I want to get rid of all the Tumah that I have. I want to go to Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to hear the story again, and that will give a Yeshua for me, and I'm hearing it from the best person, and all kinds of Kedusha going to happen, and Moshe Rabbeinu does that. And how does he start? He starts, you know, just like on Pesach. First you burn out the Chometz, and then you eat the Matzah. So first he talks about how Hashem destroyed the Egyptians. Look what Hashem did to the Egyptians, did this and this and all these other things. That's how he starts. And now, here comes an interesting thing. So now what's his reaction? Now remember, Yisro, now you understand everything so far? Yisro, hearing everything, but that's not enough. I got it. What motivates him? Because I see Hashem keeps doing them. It's a force. It's a force that keeps moving ahead. You got to tap into it. A, B, you got to tap in from the best source. And this, and now you, and then you can get challenged. So now he's hearing everything, and he's 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 really. How does he react? So what does source three say again? Vayichad Yisro. So what's his reaction? So we have to add one more interesting point that Wolfson says. I always make a mistake. His name is Wolfson, but I keep making myself with Robert Wolfson. I always call him Wolfson. I Wolfson. thought that he already became a It's Wolfson. Anyway, look at number nine. He says, this is an important yesod. Very important. Another spiritual rule. You're getting a lot of uh, rules today in spirituality. One more. When a person ascends to holier levels, then he is judged for light sins that were not considered sins when he was still on a lower level. Mm. Which means to say, when you're on a lower level, certain things you do, you don't even think they're bad. And for the person on your level, they're not that bad. You know, you're, you, 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 let's say a guy davens a minion, but he davens the last minion of the day. It's, it's technically okay. He goes to the 9 o'clock minion based on a weekday. <laughs> okay, anything wrong going to the 9 o'clock minion? Is it a favorite? No. I tell him everything with a minion. Okay, anyway. So now he becomes much more spiritual. Much more spiritual. You know, he starts connecting to Hashem and he realizes, you know, that Hashem is very much more important. And I just don't dive in just to do, just to potter it up. And he realizes it's better to daven with sunrise for seeking. And in the summertime, that means you're davening at 5 o'clock in the morning because you start the day off with davening because you feel a connection to Hashem with davening. Then he looks back and says, wow, what kind of bum was I that I used to daven at 9 o'clock in the morning? Only a bum or a sick person. I don't know, elderly person. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not totally against the 9 o'clock minute. There's some people who are elderly. They can't get out of bed till 9 o'clock, okay? But well, I'm a healthy guy. What was I doing at the 9 o'clock minute? What was wrong with that? Or let's say, you know, you were relied on, you know, questionable hechsherim. That's eh, probably okay. You know, what, what is already in coffee already? You know, what do I need a hechsher or whatever? But then he becomes much more spiritual. So, so what happens? As you grow in retrospect, you have plenty to do tshuva for. That's just the reality of life. And you realize, how could I have been that way? What kind of a person was I? And it's interesting, the Kabbalists tell us that this happens, the Arizal uh, brings from the Zohar. He says, in heaven, 
the person after you leave this world, my friend, you can get punished after many, many generations for lighter sins that you did in the beginning that become greater sins. In other words, as you're in the next world, you grow. You grow. In the next world, you grow because Hashem gives you more of this connection. And then, you know, when you were judged when you first died, you were on a regular level. Hashem judged you, whatever. And certain things you kind of let slide by because you really weren't on any level. But as you grow in the next world, and this is the idea of why the, your sight for us regular people is a big deal. Why the custom that the sun says Kaddish on a yard site? Why we give tzedakah on a yard site? Why they're accustomed to fast on a yard site? Why? Because you got to know that the person the yard site's for goes through a judgment. Why? Because since they've raised a higher level, then they look back on the past and say, you know, based on your higher level, this wasn't such a good thing. He needs tikkun, and you make the tikkun for him. That's a big idea. So you fast to make a tikkun for him. You give tzedakah, you lead the davening, in case in case uh, my father is going to be judged because of the new level he's on, he has to take care of this. So let's take a look at Yisro now. Here, he had a certain understanding of what's going on over here. Now that he goes to Moshe, you can imagine hearing this story out of Moshe's mouth, you can imagine what levels he jumps up to, how much more spiritual, how much tumma goes out of him, so now what happens? He starts saying, man, was I, a, I thought I was such a wonderful cardinal back in Midian. Now that I hear from Moshe what real Kedush is, phew, what kind of a bum I was? All of a sudden he starts getting goosebumps. He's getting goosebumps because as he's moved ahead, he looks back and says, oh, I, I wasn't such a good guy. He's getting the goosebumps. And you know what happened? The HR likes to take those goosebumps and say, yeah, you're really not a good guy. Don't fool yourself. Don't think you're any spiritual guy now. That's what you really were. That's who you really are. Oh, the Yetzirah loves that. You see what's going on over when you try to grow the Yetzirah, he ain't stopping. Just because you say, I'm committed now. I've, I was so inspired. I, I just, I heard the Megillah. I got so inspired. I just read the whole, I've been, I've been in this Parsha for four weeks. It's the fifth week of Shovavim. You know how inspiring the going out of Egypt is? I'm inspired. I'm really working harder and I'm growing. And the answer said, yeah, you are going. Yeah, let's go back. Let's take a look at that 9 o'clock minion you've been going to. You just stopped. You're not such a great guy. This is just an illusion. You're really a 9 o'clock minion guy. You're not such a good guy. You start getting goosebumps. And then what happens? You say, maybe you're right. And he's going to take you down. So you got to say, you know what? Because else, why else is the answer attacking like this? The answer is because he knows you're going on the good place. He knows you're the rich man. He's got to mug you. He's got to mug you from that spiritual growth. He's trying to make you feel like a rotten creep. Try to remember, don't fool you. You're not so holy. Just remember who you really are. You're not anybody special. And you says, no, 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 no. Yisra understood that the fact that he's trying to take me down, I'm so happy because I know I'm on the right path. So that's why the Pashup shot is what? He was happy. The deeper shot, he was sad. Why? He was sad over the past that wasn't so good, but happy to know I'm being challenged. Must be I'm on a good path. Ah, oh, wow, isn't that amazing pshat? You understand what we're learning from Yisro over here? It's amazing stuff we're learning from him. You, and this is each and every one of us is the story of Yisro. Each and every one of us is the story of Yisro. Each and every one of us has a little bit of Tumah inside of us from this Golis.
Oh, a, a little bit of tumma. And what we got to get out of that tumma. How do you get out of that tumma? You got to keep going back to Yitzhak Yisrael. You got to keep going over the story. And you got to go to those who are telling over the story really well. And when you go over that story, and each of us needs a Yeshua in many ways, in physical ways, in spiritual ways, and we're looking for a Yeshua. And the only Yeshua, and that's what Shovim is all about, the Yeshua is from reliving this story. And having a moon and Hashem and connecting to Hashem. And you're going to see, you're going to grow. But when you're going to grow, the angels are going to say, oh, you think you're so good? Now that you see, now we're going to show you. If you're going to be on this level, you know, nine o'clock minions are terrible. And on this level, that's questionable. Hashem are terrible. You think you're such a good guy? And don't let it push you down and make you sad and fall out. You should be, I'm so happy you're fighting against me. Because that means I'm on the right track. And that's what you got to keep remembering and you got to keep fighting. And that answers really all the questions we'd have until the, except for the last one. But now it's no contradiction. Now you know why Yisrael went specifically. And now you know again, oh, and now, beautiful. What about that Vayatzilein? In the second source, Moshe said how Hashem saved them, right? Vayatzilein. Mm-hmm. Now Yisrael was happy. Now, the third source, Yisrael was happy. Vayichad Yisrael. I'll call it over all the good that Hashem did to the Jews. Asher Hitzilo, which now saved him from Mitzrayim. Yisrael himself got saved. Therefore, the English says, how does it save him? But no, he got saved. And he's not the only one. Everybody in this week's Parsha can also be saved. We all need to be saved. How do we get saved? By following exactly what Yisrael did. To say, well, I heard the story, we're going to bother no, 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 no. You got to hear the story again. Every time you hear the story, you hear it from bigger people and better people. And hear a Parsha class from somebody who knows how to tell you how to learn what you get out of it. And, and to put more relevance. And it's better and greater and this and that. And then as you do that, you're going to come against all kinds of resistance. All kinds of resistance. Because you're trying to be better. And no, you just you hang on there. You're going to make it. Don't worry about it. All right? And that's the effective, oh, oh, and also the effective rebuke. Remember he said when the rebuke is effective, you get angry. Well, you don't think the Yetzirah gives you some effective rebuke sometimes. He says, you're really not such a big tzaddik, and you're going to get angry at it. No, you've got to take that rebuke. You've got to take that rebuke and grow with that rebuke. Okay, now we've got to get the last question. I told you, only 10 more minutes. So now why does Yisro get the schus? of coming up with the mitzvah of appointing judges, why didn't Hashem bring it straight out? Right? That was the last thing. So let's take a look at just a couple more sources. You know, source 10, I'm going to say it outside so we can go quickly. The Medrash says, when Paro decided to do what he was going to do, the final solution, he had three advisors. The wicked Bilam, the righteous Yisro, and in between was Eov. And Bilam came up with the idea, what? Let's make them work hard! Appoint taskmasters over them, afflict them, all terrible things as it, source, as it says in the source 11. So they appoint over them tax collectors to afflict them with their burdens and they built store cities for Paro, Pisum, and Ramses. That was the plan. We're going to crush them. That was Bilaam's idea. Eov was silent. Yisro ran away in protest. So the commentaries ask, why did he have to run away in protest? Eov didn't run away and nothing happened to him. More than that, it's an interesting Gemara. I don't want to spend a lot of time. As Gemara in Saita says, 
that when Agrippas was the king of the Jewish people who came from non-Jews and he read the Torah portion in front of the rabbis, he was a non-Jew, and it said only a Jew can be the king. So Agrippa said, I feel terrible. Why am I the king? So what did the Sanhedrin say? They said, oh, Agrippas, you're a good guy. You could stay. <laughs> so Gomer says, they were punished for that. They say, well, listen, you know, we couldn't exactly protest. You know, okay, but okay, if you don't protest, at least you could have been quiet. You didn't have to say such nice things. So you see, if you're quiet, you don't necessarily get punished. So why did he have to run away? Let him just be quiet. What was the big deal? So he answers, because it was a big deal. He says, when he saw that Bilaam's idea was accepted, and the Jews now are going to be made to suffer so greatly, he shouldn't have stayed party to such a wicked group of people. And that was the sin of Eov. Because you know the real reason Eov didn't run away? He didn't want to lose the covet and the good job he had. Mm-hmm. He says, well, what would it help? They're going to do it anyway. What do you mean would it help? you got a cushy job working for the government as an advisor. You're going to protest, you're going to lose your job, you're going to get fired. And he felt more interested in himself. To which Yistro says, nothing doing. I give up all the cover of the world. I have to protest. Even though now I'm going to be denigrated, I have to go to another country. I'm going to go to Midian. I'm going to be treated second class. And you see, they, 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 they would uh, make trouble for his daughters. You see, and all this. But I can't be with a wicked man. Oh. So guess what? Hashem operates Mida Keneged Mida. Measure for measure. He was a big advisor, right? To the most powerful man in the world. So Hashem says, you know what? I'll reward you that you will be the advisor to the most important man of the world. To Moshe Rabbeinu. And you will give him advice and he will listen to your advice. Because you were, would not agree to be an advisor for wickedness. Number one. Number two, what was this negative advice? To appoint officers to hurt the Jewish people. You'll give advice to appoint officers to help the Jewish people. And what was the whole idea? It was to hurt them so badly. We'll look at source number 12. When Yisro came, what did he see with Moshe? It's a big lineup, right? Mm-hmm. Big lineup. They're having problems. Look what it says. You will surely wear yourself out. Both you and these people are with you for the matters to ever for you. What's he going to do? The advice that Paro gave was to make life bad for the Jewish people. You're going to give advice that will make life good for the Jewish people. So a triple mita can I get mita. You were not an advisor. You gave up to be an advisor to a most powerful person. I'll make you an advisor to an even more powerful person. You weren't an advisor to appoint officers against to appoint officers. You will be an advisor to appoint officers. You didn't want to be an officer to hurt the Jews. You'll be an advisor to help the Jews. The Gemara now says, what was his reward? The Gemara says, what was his reward? Look at the end of source 10. He had descendants who were in the Sanhedrin that were in the Lishkas Agozis. From him came the Sanhedrin. And another source, 13, a descendant of his was in charge of the treasury of King David. Look at all these amazing things he got. Okay, now, the, uh, one second, and uh, by the way, what, what, based on Paro's bad advice, what was the hard work the Jews were building? What were they building? What was the advice of Paro? Storage, treasure houses. Mm -hmm. 
So he didn't want to be part of that. So a descendant of his would be in charge of the Jewish treasure houses. So you see, Mamish, the Mita, Kenega Mita, 100%. It's not a question. So now says Revolts. So no, now you understand. Now you, under, now you understand. Now you understand. Why didn't Hashem just give the mitzvah of, of, of having, um, have, have, having um, judges? Why is it Yisrael? Because Yisrael earned it. Yisrael earned it. Hashem could have given Moshe the mitzvah, then where does Yisrael fit in? Hashem owes Yisrael big time. Yisrael gave up being a Choshev advisor. Hashem has to pay him back. Mita Kenegah Mita. And if that means Hashem will not give a mitzvah and leave it for this convert to present the mitzvah, well, that's the only way it could really pay him back. Mita Kenegah Mita. And that's why he, the mitzvah came out in that way. Ah, you'll ask, so why does the Gemara mention this? The Gemara rather says he has descendants that are from the, that are in the Lishka Sagaz. That's many years later. He has descendants many years later who are in charge of the treasure houses. He says that's the biggest reward of all. You know, <clears throat> you have Paro, for example, had big people, but did it ever translate to his children, to his descendants, his grandchildren? Nothing came out of it. Yisro, not only, not only does he get something good, Forever his descendants get good. Mida, Keneged Mida, Keneged Mida. A virtuous circle of Mida, Keneged Mida, Keneged Mida. And that's what we see in this Parsha as well. And where did it come from? It came because he needed his own personal Yeshua. Yisro could have said, you know, I heard the story. It's amazing. I'm here in Midian. I'll do what I can. I, you know, I'll learn Yiddishkeit online. <laughs> I'll go online. You know, you can hear it online. It wouldn't have been anything. He had to go schlepzich all the way to Moshe Rabbeinu. I got to hear the story again. I got to hear it the right way. I got to hazard over. What inspires me is that you see this rhyme never ends. Never ends. It keeps going on and on and on and on. And because of that, he was able to bring out something amazing. And the last thing Revolson says, the very last thing is... How did he come to all this? Where did he get to this whole idea? So Wolfson says, you know, every Jew has a shlichus in this world. Every Jew is sent on a mission that's specific for him and that nobody else is meant to do. Every Jew has his own shlichus. What was Yisro's main shlichus? His main shlichus was to bring out of him this awareness of mita keneged mita, measure for measure. And how? Well, it's last point. Now, after Moshe told him everything, and he got blown, everything we've explained, let's look at the last source on 14. Now, what does he say? What does he say? Now I know. Now. He says, now. Until now, I didn't. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods. Even though he heard everything before. What do you mean? Didn't he know Hashem did all these things? But you hear it again from Moshe Rabbeinu? And what? And, and that Yitzhiyah Svitzrayim is the source of everything? For with the thing that they plotted, he came upon them. What does that mean? Look what Rashi brings down. Uncle says, For with the thing that the Egyptians plotted to judge Israel, with that he judged them, with water they planned to destroy him, and they themselves were destroyed with water. He said, he said from everything that Moshe said to him, Moshe told him, a whole, he told him the whole Haggadah. Now what epis hit him? Yisro, that really got, now I know Hashem's the best God. He could have picked a lot of things in this story. A lot of things. But what hit him more than anything else? You know what showed me how powerful God is? That he works Mita Kineged Mita. 
you know, Hashem, you know, it could have been that, you know what could have happened? The Egyptian economy should have just, you know, they could have done a few bad trade deals with Mexico. They could have done a few bad wars with somebody and they could have just lost. But nobody would have seen that Hashem works with me, that can me to. He'd say, you know, the two bazundra uh, uh, mices. If Bar was mean to the Jews, was mice one, and nothing ever happened to him. And that happens, he had some wars, he lost some wars, and then eventually the Jews, somehow they just left because there was no power. He said, that doesn't prove that there's a God in the world. You know what impresses me about God? That exactly what the wicked people do, Hashem gives it back to them with precision. Three different ways the Egyptians drowned in the water. No three, no Egyptian drowned the same way. You were worse to a Jew, you drowned worse. You weren't so bad to a Jew, you drowned quicker. Exactly what they wanted to do, exactly they got it back. When you see Mita Kedega Mita, you mama sense there's Hashem in the world. Yisro's neshama, the root of his neshama, was connected to this idea of Mita Kedega Mita. That was his root. And his tafkid was to bring it out and to share it with the world. The whole idea of learning Mida, Kenegan, Mida, we have Gemaras and all this thing, but where did it start? It started from Yisrael. Yisrael was Machadesh Teklal Yisrael. He's looking at the world and in his neshama, because your shlichus is based on what your neshama is hooked into. And your neshama, his neshama was hooked into the idea there's got to be justice in this world. He was such a just, he was trying to find the emes. And the emes has to be mamish just. And mita kereg mita is the greatest justice. And that was what his purpose in this world was. So now you can understand the flow of this opening chapter. We start with Yisroh. And everything that brings him to come. And then he says, now I know that God's the God. Now I know that God operates Mita, Keneged, Mita. And now what's the very next story? Mita, Keneged, Mita, you're right. Now I make it that Moshe Rabbeinu has lots of trouble judging and you're the one who's going to come up with the idea because as based on Mita, Keneged, Mita, you deserve... How did he come up with this idea? He was so... Everybody's standing there. Think about this. How does it come? You got Moshe. You got Aaron. You got Yoshua. You have Kalev. You have you have tons of people there. Good, fine, a yidin, bigger than Yisro, who was a, 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 a priest, and now he just converts all of a sudden. Nobody hops what's going on, but Yisro. I mean, he's so smart. I mean, everybody's there. That should be the biggest question of all. From Vanit Kumt Yisro, Yisro's the chacham of everybody. Says, oh, you know, it's taking so much time. The answer is, no, no, no. You know why he had it? Because that was his mission. It wasn't anybody else's mission in life. That was his mission. He's the Mita Kenegad Mita man. And how is that? Because you see, he was so honest, he was willing to give up a prime position in advice. And he and, and he finds Hashem with Mita Kenegad Mita. So then obviously Hashem now has to help him Mita Kenegad Mita that he should come up with the idea of advice. And you see, Yisra was able to accomplish his mission, but he could never, ever get there if he wasn't willing to get out of the tumma of his own life to hear the story of Yitzhiz Mitzrayim again. And that's then that's the beautiful lead-up to the, getting the Torah at Sinai. Because a lot of people say, oh, all Jews get the Torah, we're all the same. We all have the same Torah, we have to do it all the same. Even though we all have to do all the mitzvahs, but everybody has a unique mission. And just like Yisro showed his uniqueness, every Yid is able to show their uniqueness. If we what? We have to get out of the Tumah. 
how do you get out of the tumma? Keep going over the Yitzhiz Mitzrayim. Don't be um, sidetracked and, 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 and lose hope when you see things aren't going the way you should go. And you get goosebumps even. Hang on with it. And you'll be able to find out what your mission is. Hashem should help us. We should be able to find it. Go ahead.